Hello and welcome to another episode of the Arsaholics. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, I'm Mize. So just a quick um, plug, really. So if you're watching on YouTube, we'd really, really appreciate um, a thumbs up if you enjoy the episode. If you haven't already subscribed, then, then please do that. And uh, yeah, we really appreciate the support. Uh, welcome back, Nero. How's it going? Yeah, good. Thank you. Good to be back. Good, good. Yes, we did Nero, miss you. For those, yeah, for those who don't know, Nero went on a scouting report to Olympiacos. <laughs> <laughs> Breached all kinds of COVID regulations. <laughs> and he's back. Yeah. He's back with us. Uh, Raj, Aronen, you doing all right? Good. Yeah, good. Good. good as good as can be when we lose. But yeah, well, we didn't lose. We didn't lose. <laughs> <laughs> What's going on? It's, like it's a good point. Feels like it. It feels like we lost. Yeah. Well, yeah. It does feel like a feel like a loss. Uh, but yes. Um, so a 1-1 draw with Burnley, uh, disappointing result. We'll just have a quick um, look at the team lineup and what we what we thought of it. Crystal so, Palace have equalised. Crystal Palace have equalised against <laughs> Benteke, oh nice. yeah. Nice. Okay, well hopefully the result stays like this or gets a bit better for us. Um, so big surprise at right back, Callum Chambers coming in. I believe it was his first start in the league this season. Um, and it's funny because we were talking about him, I think last episode or a couple of episodes ago, uh, that he's been brought on in the last minute um, to, to help us see out a result. So uh, that was interesting to see him. Um, no Suarez on the, even in the squad, actually. I think Bellerin was on the bench. Um, so centre-back pairing of Louise and Marie. Thomas Party started and um, obviously Smithrow was injured. So William came in and took his place. Uh, Nero, any sort of thoughts on the lineup? Um, again, it's hard to predict um, sort of what our strongest eleven will be, especially with Olympiakos sort of coming up uh, in terms of if he's going to rotate or what players he's going to play. Um, so up front, Aubameyang, yeah, expected, I think. Uh, I guess it was an option between William and Pepe. Uh, Pepe, um, sort of, you know, neither here or there really between who he, he would have started. To be honest, they both. Played well against Leicester, so um, yeah, I think either one would have been in for a shout to start this game. Um, and then, yeah, good to see Saka back uh, after his yeah. sort of well-earned, well-deserved rest. Um, I was quite excited to see Partey starting, to be honest. Um, you know, he makes a lot of things happen for us from the midfield, uh, especially, you know, run, you know, driving forward and picking up those passes. Um, and then, yeah, defence, again, another another rotation. Um, is Raj falling asleep there, mate? <laughs> <laughs> Don't know. Can you hear us? <laughs> You're talking to me. I thought you were falling asleep at my analysis. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that wasn't it at all. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. Uh, I don't know what's going on. And then, yeah, just again, uh, with the back four, Keep, again, more changes. Uh, Chambers now starting the right back. Again, it was sort of like surprising he was playing there, but it wasn't like a bad choice. Um, again, you can sort of understand if, I don't know what the situation with uh, Suarez is, but if you wanted to rest Bellerin for Olympiacos, you know, Chambers does the job there. Um, it's not, not Well, Bellerin hasn't started in a couple of games now, so that's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I think I, th- I was thinking about um, Chambers, why he started, especially considering he hasn't played a lot or at all really recently. And it could have just purely been down to his, he's quite strong aerially compared to the other options we had. And a, a game like Burnley uh, away, maybe yeah. just more suited really for those set pieces and long balls that are coming in. Yeah. Because City do that sometimes, right? Where they kind of have a one of their fullbacks who just tucks in. For a lot of the game so initially one of the thoughts was you know maybe that's what he's doing maybe maybe actually Callum Chambers isn't going to be playing as the sort of traditional sort of fullback wingback role that Bellerin and Cedric have been doing maybe this was some kind of tactical tweet because yeah I certainly did not see this coming <laughs> no I don't think any of us did, well, it's yeah. back to the point of again we always moan about this but keep swapping and changing defenders isn't isn't great um we've kept one clean sheet in Leven now in all competitions, and mm. a big part of that is not having the consistency of your defenders. Um, and to be honest, when yeah, when I saw Chambers, I wasn't expecting us. You know, I still thought is a fairly good, fairly good starting lineup. I was happy with it. So, yeah, um, ironically, it? Yeah. it felt like Chambers was one of our better kind of players mm. actually on the day, wasn't it? Like he didn't look rusty at all, really, did he? So it's quite nice that he's come back in and maybe can do a job for us until the end of the season. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, we started off uh, really well and obviously got that early goal. Um, 
so party in the middle picks up the ball quite deep um a little bit of a almost like a dummy puts the burnley defender on his on his backside um one two with Xhaka, and then as we see with with Partey, he's he's very much a forward thinking player passes the ball forward into to william and i was really impressed actually with william's position for that for the goal and just generally through the, through the game i found i thought he was finding the that the, the hole essentially so between the back four and the midfield he was really getting in those dangerous positions and he received the ball in a, in a really dangerous position where he was able to you know um run straight at the defense uh picks out um Aubameyang, uh who again you know delivers we were talking about his form uh, towards the end of the well started he started excuse me he started uh, obviously with the hat trick uh, a few weeks ago and his form has really really carried on from there um step overs gets himself into the box a couple of step overs and hits a, a pretty good shot i think if you're a burnley fan then you'd probably say you'd want your keeper to do better there but from our perspective i, I thought it was a it was a it's hit quite hard i think and it was right in the corner in a low low shot so i think um he made it quite difficult for pope even though he did get a hand on it so yeah a good goal from our point of view and a good start I think uh, I'm sorry because my my internet connection cut out a little bit there, but like it was like the perfect start in that respect, right? It really was, and Mm. I think just you know going back onto what you were saying was Partey, fantastic build up. I think it was amazing how William managed to find himself in so much space. That was really interesting, and I think that's just a a credit to I guess Partey because you you know by by sort of beating the press in the way he did and playing a really I, it was quite an underrated pass it was he was kind of just flicked around the corner found himself in lots of space but when he gets to Aubameyang it's interesting because Burnley have got to do so much better haven't they I mean that was just mm-hmm. terrible terrible defending from Burnley to then get in a situation where pretty much the only place he could hit it is the near post so I'm not really sure what Nick Pope's doing and then he gets down and gets a very soft hand to it so it started as, as well as we could have hoped and and really like we just we carried on dominating didn't we it's just such a shame that some of those chances weren't weren't able to be converted, but you kind of look at it and you think about Arteta and you think what could have gone, what could have been going through Arteta's head, you know, during that first half until Burnley eventually equalised. I think it probably would have been everything is going to plan. Mm, I think that's how we felt as well watching it. Um, mm. You know, it was it was a really really impressive performance. Like you said, we were creating chances and just really really annoying and unfortunate that we couldn't take another chance to get the second goal and give us that cushion um, because Saka missed one which he really should have scored and he had a bit of an off game yesterday but I think you can probably forgive him to be honest mm-hmm. um, all things considered and this, considering how important how good he's been for us this season yeah. but yeah so with the um, and that was the, with the, the ball to Odegaard as well do you remember he overplayed it I think first time yeah yeah there were a few times the party had a shot that went miles over but well yeah he, yeah yeah so there were there were a few good chances yeah that was another one definitely yeah um I think we could talk about talk talk about the Burnley equalizer for for a while and probably um pick this one apart but um Aaron and when you first saw that happen what was running through your mind <laughs> I don't know where where do you start right yeah um <laughs> we were totally Totally comfortable at that point. I don't, you know. I think I was probably on my phone at that point when um, <laughs> when when uh, Leno had the ball because I was like, okay, it's a break in play. We'll probably play it out from the back and build up like we usually do. Um, and then I look up mm. and Jack has got the ball. And then yeah, you know, all of a sudden it's you know they've scored right. Mm. So uh, I like I'm in two minds about whether this is one of those where it's just so unlucky because. You know, it's one of those things, it's a one-off, these things happen. But then you look at one of the players involved um, with Jacker, and you think, you know, why, why always him? Like, why is it always Jacker that makes mm-hmm. this error? So part of me does think, look, that we do this a million times. We play it out for the back. It's always almost perfectly fine. We play ourselves out of trouble. We usually do it quite well. But then the other part of me is like, what are you doing? It has to be Shaka. Why? Like, and it's another mistake by Shaka. And I saw a stat that said since like the last two or three seasons, no player has made more mistakes leading to a goal than Granite well, Shaka. Right? Apparently, he's made eight since he's signed for us, which is the highest in the league. So, well, I don't know, four or five years. Yeah, eight. Is- eight have cost us goals, but yeah. the amount of times we've seen yeah. him in the past give the ball away and like not get punished for it or play a stray pass. It's mm, yeah. It must be so frustrating for Arteta because Jacko for the last two months has probably been one of our best players. Mm. Um, he's been moving around really nicely, getting forward, doing 
defensive cover on that left side really well. But then he just consistently has an error in him. And I know, Myers, we had a bit of a, a debate <laughs> about whose error that actually was, right? But I think, yeah, I think, you know, Leno doesn't do well, but from the point that Jacker gets it, he really should have done better. But you're right, it's probably a combination of two bad things happening at the same time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we did have a a bit of a disagreement, I guess, really. And I think I've watched it a few times since. I probably changed my stance a bit. Um, I, I, so I was very much, I, I very much felt like while Xhaka is a, it's a, it's a crap pass, like it's it's awful, um, and his first touch is awful as well when he receives the ball. I just felt like on the first couple of times I saw it. Leno could assess that situation situation a little bit better um, where obviously he can see the whole pitch. He can see that as we're, because we've, we've made a few passes going back to Leno and then to, I think it came out to Tierney and then back and then Marie and then back. So obviously the Burnley team are pressing further and further mm. towards our goal. And at the point that Leno then receives the ball before he passes to, passes to Xhaka, I'm kind of thinking, well, like we're quite deep now and they're cutting off the passing lanes. Let's just, not like take a risk here and hit it long. Um, having watched it again a few more times, I probably, like I said, I changed my stance a little bit on the, <clears throat> well, I, I think, I don't know. I just think, yeah, Xhaka should do a lot better. And maybe I'm being a bit harsh on Leno because like you said, you do that a hundred times or a thousand times, it probably doesn't happen very often. And I think you guys were saying, look, when he first receives the ball, Xhaka, he's got a couple of other options. Um, and if he plays it first time, then none of this even happens. But I think this then comes back down to almost your limitations of Xhaka as a player. Um, and I think he's not comfortable on his right foot as well. So maybe, I don't know, I'm not sure exactly what happened in terms of why he decided to take a touch, but maybe he just wasn't comfortable. He has he had options both sides, really. So he could have probably hit it with his left out to, I think it was Tierney maybe. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a case of, when I, when I had that thought of maybe it could have gone long, but if Arteta's saying to them, and I think I made this point in our chat, you know, if Arteta's saying to them, look, guys, for the next 20, 30 games, we're going to, we're going to go, we're going to try this. We're going to be playing out from the back and it's going to improve, but there's going to be incidents in certain games where we're going to suffer basically, where it's, we're going to make a mistake. Hopefully it doesn't cost us a goal, but it may happen. But in the long run, this is our plan. This is our strategy and we've just got to stick with it. So if that's what the players have been instructed to do, then, you know, I can't, there's nothing I can say to Leno in, the, in that in that case. But there should be obviously a situation as well, right? If there is, it can't just be the same stance every single game or during a game. Like if, um, you know, that situation, you've got a lot of players in the box. Surely your keeper, you're facing it. The instruction from Arteta should be just hoof it out, right? I, it should be like situational, depending on how many players in the box or how many opposition players in the box. We shouldn't be, with, you know, with everyone so, you know, so far in our own area. Surely instruction at that point should be just clear it. Like at some point, what instruction should be clear it, not always play it out. I don't think that was a situation where, that was a, you need to hoof it out. We were under no real pressure. It's not like Burnley was so high up the pitch that it was dangerous. I think... They well, had a play in the area though, right? They'd, would, they had was, one play in the area, but we had three yeah. in and around the box, right? Like, mm. I think, to go back to your point, Mize, you know, Leno should probably know that you don't play a pass to Jacker's right foot with yeah. the goal. Yeah, I thought Someone well. bearing down on him. Like, <laughs> yeah. you, use the common sense, right? If you're under pressure, don't play it to Jacker, mm. or at least play it on his left so he can pass it out quickly. Um, but then, like, Jacker's a professional footballer. He should be able to turn under pressure and play a simple pass. Jacker was calling for it as well, though. That's the thing. Like, first, yeah, I blame Leno that's... saying, why are you doing it? He wasn't ready. But then when you see, you say, Jacker's actually saying, play it to me, right? This is a really great point that you made, because I think that when we when we when we loop back to how I think Arteta is clearly telling us that he needs he wants us to try and beat the press and that's been a feature even last season before we moved into our newer systems one thing that's been consistent is desperately trying to beat the press by you know passing it out and what we don't know like is that behind the scenes in the training ground have they really really trained against this kind of high intensity press and they are all completely comfortable that in this scenario, they are still going to be passing. They're not going to be hoofing. And I think, therefore, that goes to your point, Nero, where Xhaka's calling for it. And I think that tells me that they all are really comfortable in this scenario. They know, yeah, we're still going to pass it out from the back. This is not 
Xhaka expecting Leno to hoof it, and that's a miscommunication. So it, it uh, it's hard to blame Xhaka in the sense that, and it's hard to blame Leno and Xhaka if that is the case, because it feels like all they're doing is playing to not only the tactical instructions, but also to how they've trained. And then it's just a poor execution part on on Jacker, and maybe that is going too easy on Leno by basically just just sort of saying Leno's just doing what he's been told to do. Um, but I do think that's the bit that we it's hard to ascertain because all the all the commentators, a lot of the pundits, a lot of Arsenal Twitter are like, "Why didn't we hoof it? Why didn't we do that?" I guess in hindsight you can say that, but you know maybe it is part of a very strict um, set of tactical instructions from the from the manager. Yeah, but that's my point. It shouldn't like. No instruction should be rigid, right? It should always be a bit of flexibility depending on depending on the situation. Hmm. Yeah, I I think it raises a wider question about Xhaka and yeah, if we're gonna if we've got a system that essentially puts Xhaka under pressure from pressing or I guess attack Burnley attackers or any attacker from the opposition team, do you think Arteta really wants someone like Xhaka? playing that role long-term for Arsenal. So I, I, do you think Jacker will be here next season if everything, like assuming we have the funds to replace him and sell him and something comes in? I know there's loads of questions there, but in an ideal world, do you think Arteta would have Granit Jacker in his first 11 in that midfield role? You sort of saw like, sort of the two sides of Xhaka in that game with both goals. Like the the one two he played with Partey, I thought was really good, which someone like El Nini Puli wouldn't have done. Um, so I think I always liked Xhaka as an attacking player, but he's got so much uh, fragilities as a as our holding sort of defender, a holding midfielder. Um, I like the way he distributes the ball. Um, he can pick out passes pretty good. Um, I think he's quite smart going forward. He's just he just needs to cut out the errors sort of going backwards. Um, and I remember, Raj, was it Raj or one of you boys, you said, was it like a month ago that this season we hadn't conceded a goal from an, from an error, right? And, it's, error, yeah. and now we've got two in two games. So maybe if we can continue, I don't know if it's just, you know, laps in the last sort of couple of months or what it is, but if we can just continue to sort of weed those issues out, then I don't see why we can't have Xhaka there as a sort of in the squad in the long term. Do you, do you, yeah, go on, Raj, go on. Well, I was going to say three things, right? Because Aaron and I think you asked two questions initially. And one was, you know, do, do we see um, Xhaka here next season? And then there was also, do we see, do you think Arteta wants him in his first 11? And I think, so I think two answers to that is, one, I do think he'll be here next season. But I don't think that ideally Arteta would have him in his starting 11. I think that he would want to upgrade on that position. Um, I think I think he's in a position where he's going to receive the ball and he's going to distribute the ball probably more than anyone else on that pitch. So he's going to be in lots and lots and lots of situations where he's having to kind of receive and pass and receive and pass. And I think if you're going to do that, you need someone who is not going to make those kind of poor execution kind of circumstances like he did the other day because i think the third point is is really like it it really does come down to that it comes down to the fact that he is the guy who is receiving so much and if you look at the point around errors it's a funny one because can you if we say that xhaka has made the most errors leading to goals in the premier league since he joined or whatever the stat is it's hard to unpick that, like, because it may be because also we've had a poor defensive structure. So when he's made the errors, there's been goals. Mm. And there are other players in other teams who make just as many errors, mm. but they're not costly because they mm. defend better as a unit. Mm. And actually, maybe we're getting better now overall, which is why, Nero, to your point, like, this is perhaps the first error he's made that's led to a goal. But let's recap to Olympiaco, sorry, to Benfica. Mm. A couple of Thursdays ago, do you remember, like yeah. right before half time, mm. that, that cross? Ping, exactly, that could cost you, mm. right? So maybe in an in an ideal situation, Arteta wouldn't have someone in that in that role doing things like that. But would you say? I think, yeah, I think long term, he's probably not part of the plan. But I wouldn't say that's a priority position at the moment. I think Arteta's probably seen. He probably has different positions, which is more of a priority to fix up rather than Xhaka's position at this moment. So I don't think. I think, ne- my opinion, next year, I think he'll still be starting 11. Uh, maybe after two or maybe two or three windows, yeah, maybe that. Maybe then he'll be under pressure. I yeah, think. I think 
I think you're probably right. I I agree. I think if like Jacker is so important to how we play right now, um, and he brings a lot of good qualities, especially you know tactically, he's very tactically disciplined. You know, there are games where we essentially ask him to cover on the left. There are games he sits a lot deeper. There are games he pushes up a bit. And I think that's why managers and he seems to be quite popular because he obviously works hard mm. in training, follows instructions well, and executes the plan very well. But like you said, Raj, is it wise to put so much faith in how you play in a player that will make two or three errors that unfortunately cost you every season? And that's you know potentially nine, ten points every season purely because you're playing a guy like Granit Xhaka. So... I actually think if it, it's probably, you know, we could t- probably need a separate conversation on what positions are a priority for us this summer. But if you get a, a chance to improve on Granite Jacker, I think you take it, right? We've got Partey mm-hmm. now. I think someone alongside him, especially given the uncertainty with Ceballos, Ganduzi, yeah. Torreira, there's potentially nobody else. So I think maybe it's a priority. Yeah. Well, you're saying points again, but against like yesterday, we should have still got three points. Yeah. Even if we conceded, we should have still yeah. won the game. So it would have yeah, been sure. zero points in that sense, right? So again, depending on, again, because it's Arsenal right now, we're not winning games. And that mistake is highlighted as that's why we lost the game. Yeah. Like the mistake against Leicester, we, we yeah, we sort of brushed, we talked about why, it, but why, why, we drew, why we drew the game. <laughs> why we yeah. drew it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we drew the game. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, but again, it just it feels like a loss, doesn't it? Yeah. It like mm. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go on. Go on, Roger. No, I was going to say getting back to the game. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So I was. Yeah. I was going to say the same. So, yeah, like you said, it could be. It's quite a long discussion on what we need to do with our, our squad and players, which maybe is uh, we'll say for another time. But mm. so, <clears throat> excuse me. We go in at the break at one-one, um, and Burnley come out with a bit of resurgence. Really, in the second half, they started quite well. Um, seeming, seeming to be pressing us uh, quite high up the pitch. Um, and it was a lot more even, I feel. And then uh, I'm trying to think of it, if there were any kind of key incidents up until that sort of last 15 minutes when things started to go a bit mental. But w- was there anything of note, uh, aside from the substitutions and... Yeah, I no, think it was quite boring. <laughs> yeah, it didn't really look like much was going to happen. And then, mm. yeah, and then obviously there were... Yeah, and then there were there were the subs, and obviously Pepe was was one of them, and he came on, and um, yeah, he had qu- quite an impact on the game. Um, well, so the, was just before that, sorry, like in yeah, that but, period, probably the only things that were of interest were from a Burnley perspective, because what I think what kickstarted that last kind of fifteen twenty minute kind of resurgence from us was Burnley had a couple of good chances, particularly the one which was kind of pinged across the box, which Leno made a fantastic uh, stop for, you know. Um, that was like I thought that was it. Mm. You know, the ball comes across. He's one. He's straight in front of the keeper. You see that Leno saved it. Um, I think that then it felt like whether that's what we needed to kind of go, guys, we could lose this. Mm. Uh, and then, as you say, then the then the kind of the rest of the carnage happened, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, so the the farce with the the penalty uh, that should have been um, the handball. I mean, uh, it's not really much to say on top of what has been said in the media, you know, in terms of the pundits and post-match and even during the game, everyone was just absolutely amazed that that wasn't given as a handball. I mean, they've given the reason as, um, I think it was proximity. So obviously how close the the two players were, um, how close Pepe was to uh, Peters it was. Um, What what do you guys think? It's it's rubbish, right? Hmm. There is... I'm trying not to go on a whole rant about referees here, right? But if no, you say that, that it, is proximity, yeah. <laughs> if you say that that is proximity, right? Yeah. The guy's hand is like out here, right? And if you're listening on the podcast, it is like wide out left. So um, <laughs> <laughs> if that's a legitimate way of defending, every defender will approach a tackle with their hands out wide because if it hits it it's not going to be a handball because it's proximity all of a sudden. It's like they invented a rule yesterday <laughs> because proximity was a thing. I don't even think it's part of the rules and they use it as a decision to rule out the goal. But yeah. a million times in the future, they will give handballs for that reason. The, the amazing thing was Peter Walton, who's obviously BT Sports like 
referee, whatever you call it, pundit type thing. Every time there's a VAR decision, he always agrees with it. But this was the first time I've ever heard him say, oh, I'm quite surprised that wasn't given. Which, Mm. I mean, not that it makes any difference, but it just compounds compounds it really for me. Mm. And people go on about like VAR saying it's like, you know, people have issues with the VAR. And yes, there are issues with VAR and how it's used and certainly with offsides and things like that, it, it, it needs improvement, right? But there's a fundamental issue here where referees just do not agree on what is a handball between themselves. And you get one referee who will say it's a handball. Clearly, the VAR seemed to agree. But the next week, a different referee or a different match that same day, a different referee will give that. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's a lack of consistency, which is it's frustrating. Insane. Yeah. It's insane. And I don't think referees know what the rules are. And then the Premier League coming out and saying it's proximity, it's just not not a thing. So don't just admit the referee made a mistake and maybe we yeah. can live with that. Don't make up some nonsense about some rule that potentially doesn't even exist. That is it, right? Because there's two mm. ways in which this is completely and utterly flawed. There's the first way in which you say, okay, look, there are a set of rules and the problem is is that referees are are interpreting it slightly differently. So what one says is close proximity, the other one says isn't close proximity or whatever. That's one thing. What it feels to me, which is just the biggest part, is they're picking and choosing which rules to use when mm. and whenever they feel like it. So, you know, the, the, the notion, the proximity notion was to say, all right, well, if your hands are in a natural position and it smashes you in a close proximity, it can't be your fault. Yeah. What's the definition of close proximity? Is there, is there, is there what, one metre, one and a half, or is it just a, like, right. you point, can't just, you know, what it needs to be defined, right? You can't. Same but with, then, but yeah. I guess the point is the proximity rule, if there is one, goes out the window when the defender's got his hands out. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, why? exactly. That's the whole point. The whole point, the whole point is of, saying yeah. it's an unnatural position. You can't tell me that's a natural position. Like mm. he's it's literally perpendicular to his body. Mm. So yeah. this is not. It's, it's an absolute farce. Like that they can. It's it's okay that the ref didn't give it. Okay, cool. Like that's what VAR is here to help mm. stuff like this. But for VAR to look at that <laughs> and just and just say no 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 carry on carry on. What planet? Yeah. It's incredible, right? Absolutely incredible. I would have loved to have heard the um, if the refs were mic'd up, which is probably never going to happen in the Premier League. But obviously, we've seen like clips from I think it was Australia or whatever league it was. But I would have loved to have heard the conversation between VAR and the ref. Obviously, if they just said, "Oh, it's pro- proximity, no handball," or whatever. But I don't know. I just find it amazing. Yeah, it's unbelievable, really, isn't it? That just, there's, just there's too little incentive for them to get it right. To be honest, like I, yeah, there's no accountability there. If they're getting what? if they're getting defended for every bad decision, then they're not yeah they're not scared, are they? My, a friend of mine raised this point. Why is it that we can't allow foreign referees to apply for jobs in the Premier League? Why mm, is it yeah. that in the other jobs, you know, players, managers, whatever it is in football, you can come from abroad, best person, best person gets a job, basically. Mm. Why is it the referees? It's a closed society. Right, it's so close, and there's just no incentive for improvement. You can just—they don't have to explain themselves mm. ever, mm. ever. It's just—it's mm. completely sickening, to be honest. And I know, like, fine, maybe we're on the receiving end of it this week, so it feels rubbish. But you know, a really important thing that I think Arsene Wenger said recently was, you know, there was this. There's this big narrative that gets pushed around these things even out over a course of a season. Mm. There's no scientific or statistical basis to back that up in any way. That's a mm. nonsense thing. That's mm. basically like saying you might as well play with no rules because it'll even out at the end of the season. Yeah. Mm. It, I think what annoys me is like there should be a relu- like a, an open acceptance that they are getting things wrong. Yeah. But when they make a, an incorrect decision that, yeah. you know, I think most people can see that they got that wrong. They double down on the errors. Mm. And they say they find a way to excuse it. But when they like, I think fans can understand that referees are human; they make mistakes. That's mm. why we put VAR in to say, "Look, here's a second yeah. person." Um, so the chances of two people getting the same thing wrong are should be almost impossible because someone gets to see that three or four times, and that second person knows the rules, mm. and then therefore there's no chance to make a human error. Mm. Yeah, if he doesn't know the rules in his head, he can he can refer yeah, to it. But there's, there's so much like scrutiny. I think there is a lot of scrutiny about VAR about how long it takes, you know, wrong decisions. I think that's why, A, maybe they're making quick decisions to, you know, counter that sort of criticism. And then they feel the need to whatever, you know, they've probably got a rule, you know, whatever 
whatever happens, we'll just stand up for it. Let's stick together, right? That's what it feels like. But as you're saying, you know, if they just came out and said, hands up, it was a genuine error, then as fans, we'll be like, you know, we'll feel better about it rather than them having to sort of justify what they did. It just leaves a sour sort of taste in your mouth. Well, the conspiracy theory is that the the referees want VAR to fail, right? They want the VAR mm. experiment to fail. So if we take VAR away completely, then they can go back to how they were doing things before, right? That's but, a conspiracy yeah. theory, I'm just saying. But no, but technology, technology in any, like, mate, if you look at, Look at cricket, you've got DRS, right? You've got Hawkeye and tennis. Technology is definitely beneficial for the sport. It's, it's not about the technology, which is in question. It's about but, how people are using it. People need to get... So, yeah. They need to be trained better at using it and keep it consistent across the board. It works in every other sport. There should be no reason why it shouldn't be working in football. So with, with VAR in the Premier League, is it one guy sitting in where, wherever it is, what, replaying it and making a decision? Is it a group of people or what is it? Is it one? Is it one ref? Sorry, I think it's one ref and then one like technical person who, like, uses shows them the replays and all that lines and stuff like that. I mean, even that is just questionable, isn't it? Really? Yeah. I mean, I know it's one ref on the pitch and he uses the help of his assistants to make decisions when he needs to, but yeah, it's just, it's, 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 I mean, why isn't it? Why isn't it then that the referee on the pitch can always? You know, sometimes I'm I still sorry. I'm just still trying to figure out. Sometimes the referee goes and sees the video. Sometimes VAR makes decisions. Yeah. Why isn't it always? Why didn't he always so put it down to the referee if, to go and make the change? Let's see, yeah, go on, one of you guys. Yeah, I think the idea was to like, there's this notion that the referee on the pitch should be the ultimate decision maker or the person that's ultimately in control, which I think is, to be honest, a bit of nonsense. There was this whole clamor to like get the referee to go and look at the TV screen, which I c- if you want to like stand by this notion that the referee on the pitch is in control, that's fine. But you don't need that to happen if there is a qualified person it doesn't even need to be a referee to be honest there's there's an argument that you can say you just need to find some people who can look at replays and who know the rules and judge it they don't need to be able to run up and down the pitch because they're set on a in front of a tv screen right that you find competent people to look at the tv screen and say that's an error that's not an error that you've got it wrong then just go with it they you know this whole concept of like empowering referees and like not wanting to overrule each other has just led to this huge flawed implementation of technology. But the main thing is that the referees and the people, the referees and the people that are making the decision are just making bad decisions. But even mm. then it, it can be subjective though, isn't it? Like an offside, is it, you know, sleeve, which is offside or even that's, that's a whole nother. Uh... <laughs> yeah. But what I mean is it's like, it's, it's always going to be, if you're going to have a person there, it's always going to be in his, opinion like for example anything we, even when we talk about stuff i'm going to disagree with you right mm-hmm. or we all disagree all our different opinions on the same sort of situation so as long as there's always a referee or a person there making a decision there's always going to be different opinions so i don't know what the way around that is well do you know what it is now to be honest right you may be look you brought up cricket and tennis let's let's, let's take cricket as the example mm. when you get technology involved let's just say it's an lbw decision yeah. in cricket right mm. they go did the ball pitch outside leg stump? Yeah, yes or no. Yeah. yeah? Did mm. the ball kick the bat? Mm. Did those... It's like very binary questions. Yeah, so why can't technology it, do that in football go. then and say, is it... They'll have two lines. Is, yeah. is is the line of the player or defender further or below before the line of the attacker? Well, so then problem. that, that takes out the subjectiveness of of two eyes looking at it. Is it technology oh, looking at it? Like if, if it works for the... You know, sorry... If it works for uh, the you know, for the goal line technology for it passing the goal or not, it should be on the same basis, right? Exactly the same I basis. Completely agree. I think I think my my issue was was more. It wasn't so offsides. I think are one thing. I think mm-hmm. more generally, right? You know, when I think if I was to do a root cause analysis of, as to why this is going wrong, it's because ultimately, if we take what's happening in football and compare it to what's happening in cricket, it's basically like saying sometimes they choose to implement that if it pitched outside leg, it applies. <laughs> Sometimes they chose to apply that if it hit yeah. the bat or not. It doesn't have to. You don't have to. You know, it's a bit of like, do you know what I mean? That's what's going on in football. They're not following these like basic set rules. So how- it was an LBW, but he uh, intentionally, he didn't intentionally put his leg in the way. So it's not out. <laughs> and you can't, yeah. So, and, and then you can't be in a situation where one, one decision goes like, with mm. that basis and another decision goes, because at least with the other sports, like tennis with cricket, if they get it wrong, fine, they get it wrong, but they applied the mm. same Logic. set of mm. rules and logic and this mm. is not happening football and they all get to hide behind it they don't have to explain anything it's completely inept 
Yeah, it, like you said, uh, like we said, it's a complete farce. Um, so frustrating. Um, but even despite that setback, I guess you could say, well, after, yeah, the last sort of 10 minutes were, were pretty mental um, from then on. So uh, Burnley had a couple of chances. The Peters hit a dipping volley from miles out, which Leno did really well to save, actually, because it was probably dipping under the bar. And um, that Chris Wood chance with David Luiz, I mean, that probably should have been a goal, really. Dives in, mm. completely leaves us exposed. Um, Chris Wood one-on-one with Leno, but Leno makes a really good save. But on another another day, sorry, that one goes in and we're 2-1 down. But we rode our luck a little bit for those few minutes. Um, and then Pepe, again, misses an, a really, really good chance. Um Ball comes across, I think, was it Saka who crossed it? I can't actually, I'm not sure who crossed it, but uh, ball comes across and you th- we're all watching it, just waiting for him to hit the ball, the connection. It just, oh, I don't know, I don't know, takes his eye off it or I don't, th- I don't think it bobbled. I don't think there's anything you can say to give him an excuse for this one. He's just... Left foot as well, right? Left foot. Yeah, yeah left foot. I think we the words we used were that that's inexcusable and I think it was... Mm. Um, such a good chance, wasn't it? And uh, we're thinking then, oh God, we're not going to get, you know, that's it. We're not going to get another great, a good chance. Then there's the incident with the um, the penalty that was given and a red card given out to Peters again, it was, um, which was rescinded. But uh, yeah, interesting one of this, because I think we sort of disagreed a bit on this one um, where this was a cross from Saka and the volley from Pepe. Um, I think Raji was saying, and I kind of agree with you. You were saying that it's a it's a difficult volley to hit. It's coming at him at a funny angle. He has to adjust his body shape. So he's sort of done the best he can. I was sort of thinking, I agree with that. It is a difficult volley. But if he, he's got a bit of time when the ball's coming over to him to sort of have a look and see which side he should hit it to. And the left-hand side, I think there's two Burnley players and Nick Pope. And the right-hand side is completely open. And I kind of thought he might just try and sort of cushion a volley a bit more controlled, which he does anyway, but he get, generates quite a bit of power f- with the shot that he does hit. But I thought you might just cushion a volley towards the right-hand side of the goal and there's no one there. It's, it's you know, it's completely open and it goes in. Um, but Peters does really, really well and blocks it onto the bar. So I... Yeah, I, go on, go on, Aaron. I just think with one of... With that with that shot, it's one of those where I think just get it on target, right? If you're, if you're going to hit that volley... Mm. And imagine he tries too hard to place it and he scuffs it. The first thing you say is just get it on the target and it probably goes in. And to be fair to him, you know, you hit that volley nine times out of 10 in that position, it either, it will probably go in, right? It's just unfortunate that Peters had the, you know, was switched on enough to actually get his shoulder on there and also then not give away a handball. He sticks his arm out though, which is, he's really yeah. lucky in some way. Yeah. 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 He's lucky where it hits him. He's not, yeah, but yeah, I know what you mean. And and yeah, we see the, the, the actual benefits of VAR, right? Because if we take our Arsenal hats off, I think hmm. most of us probably agree that that's not a, yeah. a, a handball and therefore not a red card because it hits his shoulder. Hmm. And you know, there, VAR does its job. So... I think if you're talking about like the benefits of VAR, something like that, which obviously changes the game, like the referee on the pitch, those referees make mistakes regularly on the pitch and VAR does correct most of them. It's just very frustrating earlier on when they seem to miss an obvious one. But yeah, I don't blame Pepe too much for like the shot itself. I blame him for the first one because I think that's inexcusable. But the second one, I'm I'm not too annoyed for the way he kind of placed that shot. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's probably fair. That's um, exactly my yeah, assessment. To I be agree. Honest. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Mm. Um, and then I think it. Uh, well, we go into added on time. Um, quite deep into, I think ninety second minute it was. Uh, Abamyang has a great chance. The ball seems to sort of fall for him, and it's a. He's not far. I think it's around the penalty spot. Um, hits it. And again, we're watching it thinking this is definitely going in. And uh, Ben Me, uh, Ben Me, yeah. Really, really good block. And you're thinking then, no, that's it. No more chances. And then the last um, 94th minute, I think it was. Uh, God, I mean, even even with this, when Sobias hits, ends up hitting the post, but even just before that, Saka has a shot. I think it's Saka and he doesn't actually hit it that way. Well, he hits it quite well, but I don't think it's going on target. It gets blocked and it comes back out. But even I'm looking at that Saka chance. That's a great chance. And he doesn't take it and it comes back out and Ceballos, um hits the post. And 
it just yeah i mean we just mm. so many missed chances such a frustrating frustrating game all things considered and especially the way that way that they equalized or the way that we conceded um really really fine margins i guess yesterday it's just heart palpitations, was it, towards the mm. end? It was just like every, so many, like you say, so many shots where you think, oh my God, that's in, that's in, that's in, mm. that's in, repeatedly. Um, it also, I was actually, uh, this is like a really minor point, but I was really surprised that there wasn't more time added on because even in the four mm. minutes, there were so many little bits of stoppage. And then we get a corner, right? The You know, I think mm. on the 94th. Oh, and they blew the whistle, didn't they? And he blew the yeah. whistle. Yeah, he blew the whistle. That was so annoying. Yeah. yeah. But again, if I want to be critical again, it's why didn't we start, you know, take the handbrakes off a bit earlier than when we did? Because mm. like, it was another another five minutes we probably would have scored, I think. But that's, just... a, that's a really good point, actually, Nero, because I think I've said previously that we seem, at least under Arteta, to have a huge like lack of just going for it. Mm. This is the first time under Arteta that I felt that we actually yeah. did go for it mm. and create chances. It was quite a weird feeling because <laughs> we haven't had that sensation of like finishing a game strongly and trying to score at the end. Usually our games in the last 10 minutes, they always then seem to like fizzle out. We pass it around. We don't do much. This is the first game that we actually did go for it. I don't know if that was intentional or tactical or we just got lucky or Burnley faded away. But you're right. We need to get better at like putting pressure on opponents earlier and more consistently. Hmm. And yeah, I think I'm interested to know what you guys are most annoyed about with that game. Is it is it the error that led to the goal? Is it the lack of chances that we missed at the start, or is it you know just not taking any of those chances at the end, or is it the handle? So, uh, so me, yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't think I'm that annoyed about the missed chances like it's annoying but i'm to be honest i'm just glad that we're in a position where we're actually creating them now compared to a few months ago um it's frustrating we had the chances to win the game we should have won the game um but that happens and i i think it's i've i think overall if you look at things generally since the turn of the year since that chelsea game at christmas um things have improved uh, dramatically um results have got a little bit better but there's still that inconsistency there so i can sort of accept that yeah we we missed a few chances and didn't win the game but i think for me the most annoying thing it's probably a combination it's probably both the the mistake and the 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 var mess uh, where we didn't get the penalty yeah mm. it's hard to not mm-hmm. focus on the VAR decision because that just feels like we were cheated and robbed out of, you know, something which we should have had. Uh, my, my channel, I guess my like, problem is, I, I agree with you in the sense that, you know, at the beginning of the season, when you looked at our expected goals, it was low and the amount of goals we scored were low. Do you know what? You know, we basically didn't deserve to score more goals than we were at the beginning of the season. Mm-hmm. And now we are, like you say, playing much more creatively we are getting players in the box when they need to be there and it's great but do you know what like to be honest guys it feels like there's just been too many games when i reflect on it that i've come back and gone oh we didn't we deserved more from that game you know we Mm. missed those chances we should have done better at the end of the day like the teams above us aren't doing that Mm. you know the the teams above us are the games they have like this are much fewer and so, yes, in isolation, I can look at this game and go, do you know what? I don't really, you know, I'm, I'm quite optimistic. We played really well. On another day, we win. But I've been saying on another day, we win so many times that it just feels like, am I missing the point here? Am I missing something? Actually, should should I be harder on us and say, you know, is it, and whether that, maybe that's just as simple as saying, guys, you you need to work on your finishing in, in training mate. you know i don't know if it's as simple <laughs> as that uh but it's- I, I guess yeah i guess the reason i'm i'm sort of looking at it from the we're making progress kind of angle is uh, we talked about Xhaka being upgraded for example hopefully we, we probably all would say if we're being honest we we would want him to we'd want to replace him in the summer or as kind of in the next few transfer windows so possibly next season we're looking at a different midfield pairing, Thomas Partey and someone else. And whoever that other player is maybe doesn't make that mistake in the future. You're looking at Saka missing the chance he missed. I mean, to be honest, I think it's a case of take that take that chance. Well, he, if he has that chance a hundred times, he probably scores more than he misses. Um, even with the Pepe one, for all of Pepe's kind of criticism, I can't really explain what happened. 
with that chance that he had, the one where he just like an air shot. But again, I feel like give that give that chance to him a hundred times, he probably scores majority of the time, at least hits the target. And again, the the the, the VAR incident on another day that gets given if it's a I don't want to say if it's another team. I'm not saying that we're getting uh, harshly treated, but yeah, another day, another situation, another scenario that gets given. So I just kind of think I am going to, yeah, I think for me, it's more, more, I'm looking more from the, um, things are looking a much, a much better compared to like how turgid it was uh, in November. Like we mm. couldn't even get the ball into the box in some games and we were going like one nil down and there was nothing, there was no creativity. And obviously that's changed with, him Arteta changing you know who he's playing in the number 10 role um Erdegaard coming in you know everything generally looks better and yeah I I think that's just the angle I'm coming coming uh, at it from personally yeah I think for me I think I was just most frustrated that fact we went one nil up really early in the game and yeah. I, I I knew you know same I knew we had to get another one quick or we'll end up messing this game up um and I just think yeah, like I said, we had a couple of chances, but I don't think we went for it. We could have, we, we should have put the game to bed as early as possible. Uh, but I think really had th- that Aubameyang shot was the only shot on target we had whole of the first half. Burnley had more shots on target in the first half than we did. Uh, but we had and, chances there, right? Like Saka had that chance. Saka had a chance, and, yeah. But and then the Partey shot again, it was hit and hope really. Um, but still, you expect you go one nil up, just keep you know Burnley under pressure. Just you know go and get that second, get that third. And then second half, like I said, the first half an hour of the second half was, it was a dead game. Like we didn't take the handbrakes off early. And, you know, we can sit there, you know, and complain about individual errors or, you know, VAR decisions. But I just think when you're one nil up, you've got the confidence, just just go for it and just put yeah. the game out of the question. Because one nil up is never, for any team to be honest, being one nil up is never, is never comfortable and anything can happen. Yeah, I agree. We have a, we have a massive reluctance and inability to kill off games mm. we did against Leicester mm. to be fair but yeah we, that was the first time we really did it mm. and and we're not good enough to really dominate 90 minutes of a game just yet so in these periods where we are on top like that that period after we scored and the last 10 minutes we have to take our chances because we ultimately are gonna we don't have a defense that is mm. you know that is you can rely on and know that you know, we can sit on a one nil, and I don't think that many teams do. To be fair, yeah, that's. I think that's a good point. Not many teams do. Yeah. And if I can re- revise what you know, what I'm most annoyed about. I well, think not, sorry, a lot of teams don't do what. Sorry, sorry, a lot of t- not many teams have a defense of the quality where you can just go one nil up at the yeah, start. Yeah, exactly. And bank we weren't. We're not going to bank. Yeah, eighty six minutes of defending, right? Yeah, it's not. It's not. Possible. And I think based on that, I think to be honest, apart from the VAR bit. The bit I'm probably most annoyed about is is the stuff that Nero was talking about, where I think that period in the second half, where we just kind of almost like just let it pass us by, mm. you know, 20, 25 minutes, that mm. second half where we just didn't really do anything. And, and, you know, I'm sorry, we're not there yet. Like, you know, we if, if you're not going to be clinical, then you need to, you need to mm. be on it for a lot longer than that. And, you know, we just listed out various chances. Mize, you know, you said like Pepe, you know, mm. Normally, ninety-nine times out of hundred, he scores that. Or Saka, Saka, he scores his. Partey, his shot could yeah. maybe done a little bit better. This, other, and then you know we get in these conversations, and <laughs> I agree with you. It's not that I disagree with the fact that they probably normally score these things, but at the same time, like, and I guess you know we we look at our league position, and we can put a lot of it down to that terrible period, mm. you know, mm. uh, in, in November time. And Mize, you're right. I think we've progressed so much since then. But at the end of the day, you've yeah. got to go away to Burnley and win games, win. and you've yeah. got to just put. You've got to. What, however you do it, mm. however it happens. No, are we? Are we? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I get, I, I, I agree, but I just think it's, it's, we're in the middle of that upward trajectory, essentially. So we're, like you said, we're just not there yet on a number of aspects. We haven't got the right personnel, you know, in a number of positions, we haven't got the right personnel or the personnel that Arteta wants. We've always said it's going to take a number of transfer windows for him to get his team. You know, again, we're going to see changes this summer. So maybe it's just a case of we aren't, we, yeah, we should be beating Burnley, especially when we create the chances we we do. And on another day, maybe we do win that game, but maybe we're just not there yet. The consistency, you know, managing Europa League and Premier League, all of these things are factors that I just feel like things are getting better and 
I'm kind of hoping that as long as we stick with Arteta during the mm. kind of bad periods, which we did in, earlier in the season, I, I hope we do do that going forward. Um, yeah, think, things should start to look up a bit more. Like, I think they already are, to be honest. And I completely get it. It's really frustrating. Like, a result, not even the result, but the, the, the way the game went is really, really frustrating. But, like, I mean, again, like, to, so the chance that Aubame, you know, the Aubameyang has in, the, in injury time... Uh, he gets blocked and, you know, that's just really, really good defending from Ben Mee. Like, I mean, on another day again, you know, that goes in. You can't really say, oh, Bamiyang's done poorly there. I, I just, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I'm, maybe I'm just t- looking at it from a more p- positive angle. Um, yeah. you know, like, uh, I think well, I probably agree yeah. with you, to be honest. If the biggest problem we have now is why didn't we take one of the seven or eight chances that we had? Like, that's the problem. Right, it's all in the last fixed. five minutes though, right? I think the question is if we had... Those seven or eight chances, if we started earlier, it would have been 12, 13 chances. We would have got a goal, right? Yeah, but then I look at that and I look at the first the first half. I think we did enough to win that game. And mm. it's. I just feel like I mentioned in the Leicester game, I know like, no, 100%, we've come leaps and bounds from where we were before. But I did mention then, like, we had we needed all 11 players to be playing well to beat Leicester. And like yesterday, what, Saka had a bad, I know, he was, he was due a bad game anyway. He had, a, he had an off day and a couple of players had off days and all of a sudden like we can't be we're not winning games like we need to be able to win the games even though we've had like bad referee decisions individual errors we need and you know our best players not playing well we need to be able to do you know what i mean just go in and win those kind of games that's i think that is then a proper sign of improvement but that will yeah that will come over me there's just two things weighing one side where i think i just completely utterly agree with a lot of what you guys have said in the sense that it's hard to not see progress. Like we are seeing progress in so many areas. Like it's really encouraging, to be honest. That is one side. And yes, and it might be just that we need to improve in finishing or whatever, some personnel. The other side is I look at it and I go, all right, well, our last three results against Burnley have been two draws and a loss. And before that, we won 11 times in a row. Mm. We're having our worst season of all time still in terms of our league position. Um, Yes, we had a poor little period, but still you know, worst ever sort of season. So sometimes, you know, when, when you take a step back and then you look at it just like in that way, then you kind of go, are we actually too in the detail seeing all these positives? Because we're really in the detail. Whereas if we took a step back, is there something that we're missing here? Like, is it actually a lot more basic? And should we not be expecting more from mm-hmm. the players that we have? And and even the little time that Arteta's had, should we not be expecting more? More, more might just be sixth, by the way. Mm. More might just be that, but it's 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 difficult. So I've got those two things almost. Yeah. Just... But back to the point again. Like we were at, before before this podcast, we were saying, oh no, Arsenal's defense has you know we've improved a lot. We're great, but again, we're one clean sheet in eleven games. That's that sort of counters our our feeling, as you're saying, like of you know a feeling that oh no, our, imp- our defense has improved, but then the stats don't back that up necessarily. So maybe it's just yeah. I'd, we we feel that sort of, it's improving, yeah. but we're sort of conceding a goal a game, aren't we? It sort of seems to be averaging out. I don't know how many goals we've conceded this season, but Definitely. there are some games where we don't concede them. But generally, it seems to be um, yeah. Goal we're not we're not we're not yeah. We still conceded not... quite a, quite a less in the Premiership, but that's because we're not getting hammered anymore. But we're losing loads of games like one nil. Exactly. Yeah, we've lost. One, yeah, one. we've been losing yeah. games by one all season, haven't we? Which is mm. another frustrating thing. Yeah. I was trying to count this. How many? I, I actually think we've only in the Premier League. We've only conceded more than two goals a very small Villa, amount of times. Villa, 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 three 0 Yeah, Villa. I think Villa, mm. Liverpool, um, mm. Leeds. Well, Leeds four two. We want, isn't it? I'm not talk, yeah. sure. There's many more. Mm. Which are signs of a pretty decent size you know, improvement defensively. Yes. Yeah, mm. Then you take Shaka out of the team, and you probably save a few more goals. So. <laughs> all right guys um so well in terms of our league position anyway uh as we're talking about that leaves us in 10th still um 38 points from 27 games i mean it's it's like i was just trying to see like if we do this if we do that where could we potentially end up and i was going to ask you guys just out of interest really with 11 games to go where do you think we're going to finish all things considered europa league other teams other, other teams have games in hand on us um, we have Spurs next week, but yeah, just just to get your thoughts, where do you think we are going to end up? I'm going to say, I'm going to reluctantly say eighth place. Um, okay, I was a, maybe a little bit more positive before. I look at some of the other teams ahead of us. Yes, look, Liverpool are really struggling, but you know, you look at 
Chelsea, they're, they're coming into good form. Tottenham, they're coming into decent form. You know, are we being too complacent to just assume that your West Ham's and your Villas are going to, mm. you know, just mess it up? Leicester, fine, they're they're dropping, but I, I they're can't. Far too, see they're it. far too ahead of us, Leicester. Yeah, and and Aaron, mm. you made a good point the other day, which I think, to be honest, sums it all up: is that we have been incapable of putting a run together this season, and I, and 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 if we are going to do, if we are going to get top six, we need to have a really good run from now to the end. It's not. We, yeah. That's it. So, I mean, top Which six would have been possible without Europa, I think. If it's without Europa, it would have been playing best 11 every week with rotation. Mm. That's possibly not going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, so top six, so Spurs are 4 1 up, so let's assume they win. They go six with 45 points, so we'd be uh, seven points off them having played the same number of games with, yeah, 11 games to go. But there's teams that have games in hand, like West Ham could go 48 points when they play. Um, so that'll be a 10 point gap so I don't know I'm not sure about top 6 yeah, but there's so many wild cards just above us like Everton yeah. West Ham Villa Chelsea like what what are they going to do are they going to crumble or are they going to hold their you know hold their form um, and then let well I think it's weird inconsistent though that's, that's the yeah, issue like, I don't, as I don't inconsistent as everyone but, else yeah but they've got points in their bag which I'd rather have at this stage then so you said 8th Raj yeah mm-hmm. yeah um, Nero so I know, I, know, I know a few weeks ago you were outing <laughs> the top four. I take it you've changed that. <laughs> yeah, that Benfica results changed it for me. <laughs> the fact that we're still in Europe. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I'll probably say eighth. Like, wow, wow. So you've got... <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a big... That's a, if we, yeah. if we weren't in Europe, if we weren't... Like, for example, yesterday's game, right? If we weren't in Europe, we'd have played fully strength team. We might have won. Yeah, but mate, we rested, this, uh, we rested everyone against Leicester and won that game. So I, mean, I don't know if that theory is all, you know... And also, I mean? hang on, hang on, bud. This theory doesn't reconcile because yeah. you, pre- you also predicted that we would beat Benfica. So in your assumption, in your assumption that we were going to finish top four, you had already factored in that Did we I? were going to. Yeah. Just do it to wind us up. Isn't it? <laughs> uh, we will come. Uh, <laughs> it's changing it. No, I think I'll, I'll, I'll say, uh, are we are we mathematically out of winning the league? Are we still in the league? <laughs> Mate, I think mathematically we still get relegated, so yeah. <laughs> yeah I'll stick with eighth for now. <laughs> Down okay, four. so eighth, eighth. Aaron, and you don't care, do you? Because you said the league, the league doesn't. Yeah, I was saying, I don't even look at the table anymore, but I'm gonna, I just had a quick look on my phone now, and I, I'm going to say we finish sixth. Oh, take that. I think... So I think who are we finish? Who are we finishing? Who's finishing above us if we finish? Okay, six? so I'll do, I'll do a quick like top top six. So City yeah. will obviously finish above us. United, unfortunately, Chelsea will. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a top three: City, United, Chelsea. I think Leicester will collapse. Yeah. Uh, Mate, they're fifteen points ahead of us. We're not going to get them up. We have a game. There's plenty of time. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think Leicester will finish below us, but I think they'll collapse. So I think. I think so, Chelsea. So they'll be fourth. So that Leicester will be fifth. Leicester will be fifth. I think, so unfortunately, I think Spurs will probably get fourth. So you think we'll um, finish above Liverpool and West Ham and Everton? Yes. All right, we'll have to revisit that at the end of the season. Yeah. Really interesting. Um, yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say ninth. Um, Ooh, yeah. Ninth. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've sort of said this before. I think as, hopefully, as we progress through the Europa League, that's going to take precedence. And like you guys said, we just can't put a run together. We're so inconsistent. Um, you can't call any of our results. Um, we beat Leicester the other day. No one expected that. And then, like like we've been saying, like the Burnley game, it's a game we should have won, did enough to win it, and we still didn't win it. Um, mm. So I just think it's going to be very much, much of the same for the rest of the season. I think as injuries start to come in, it's going to have to rotate a bit more. And like, yeah, Europa League... We'll take precedence. I'm basing this on the assumption that we get past Olympiacos and we, you know, yeah, obviously yeah. get to the quarters. So, um, yeah, I'll say ninth. It's it's interesting because our, our next three games will basically define our season. So we've got Spurs in the league. That's, well, forget in the league, yeah, Spurs, West Ham and then Liverpool. Oh, yeah. If if some miracle happens... Easy nine points. And we take nine points. Don't jinx it, <laughs> mate. Don't games. jinx it. <laughs> Why jinxing it? <laughs> Just don't the, just don't talk about Tierney near and we'll be all right. <laughs> the, the prediction will be beyond. If we lose all three. Wait, wait, I, jinx, I said about William, mate. 
<laughs> he's now, 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 yeah, another assist. Now he's uh, outright top uh, for <laughs> Arsenal. It's impressive. <laughs> long may it continue, hopefully. Yeah, long may it continue. By the way, I still think, regardless of us, I, I still think we're going to win the Europa League. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, wow. Really? Did you say that before? I didn't. I didn't. Okay. I think that's the first time I've heard you say that. <laughs> yeah. As in, you, you didn't say that before? Maybe. No, you know. <laughs> oh, it's too early to ask about that, mate. <laughs> setting, yourself, setting ourselves up for heartache. I think we're going to do it. All right. Hopefully. Yeah. I saw All right. uh, this, oh, on. a tweet online, which is uh, no one's capable of beating Arsenal the way Arsenal do. 100%. So true. So true. Yeah. So true. I think that's a great way to end it, isn't it, boys? <laughs> All right, guys. Um, thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And we will catch you next time when we preview our Olympia, uh, our oh, Europa League game against Olympiacos coming this week. Thanks again, guys. Thank In you. In a bit. Bye-bye. Thank you.